Mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, sisters and brothers, friends for life won't live in the past. All I wanna do now is making it last. It's time for another conversation. Welcome to Making It Last podcast. It's all about helping us have better relationships, not just with ourselves, but with other people. I'm Noreen Daly. And I have Michelle E. Dickinson, and I'm making sure that I tell you that because there are other Michelle Dickinsons around. So this is Michelle E. Dickinson, resilience coach, TEDx speaker, and author. And she'll be talking to us today about, this time around, about what are the five steps to cultivate a culture of compassion. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me, Noreen. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Now, what are just tell us what the steps are, and then we'll just talk about each of them one sure, at a time. Sure, sure. Um, you know, there's there's some basic things that people can do mm-hmm. um, in the workplace. We have a lot of uh, a lot of people struggling right now, coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. um, and so there's a lot of things that people can be doing that they don't even realize um, to make it to make a difference for their people. Um, and it starts with it starts with listening. It starts with trust. It starts with being um, being open to having conversations around people's well-being, um, and it also takes courageously going going first. Uh, when we when we talk about how we're doing, we give other people permission to to recognize how they're doing. Um, so there there are many steps beyond. Okay, <laughs> all, right, all right. So hold on. I, I, I got four. So I got listening. I got trust, having open conversations going first. What's the other one? Yes. Making it okay to not be okay. Giving people permission. Okay. Uh, and not judging them. All right. So let's start with listening as one of the first. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I have, I have animals, Noreen, and they, they like to bark. So I have to mute you every now and then. I apologize. <laughs> not, um, not a problem. They need their time too. Yeah, so. for sure. For sure. <laughs> So listen, so they mm-hmm. say we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think a lot of people feel like when someone is suffering or struggling, they want to fix it immediately. Mm-hmm. They want to rush in with solutions when really just providing a safe space to really listen to what somebody is dealing with could be the greatest gift and something that they don't have elsewhere. So listening is really important. Um, and it, it can it can make the difference for somebody just feeling heard. Hmm, 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 hmm. Do you do you think though that for 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 some people they see it as a very passive activity, so they're not as as engaged as they should be. So right. for somebody who's listening, how can they ensure that for them, it is actually something that is an active process and that they actually stay engaged? Because a lot of people sometimes, they they listen, not necessarily with an open mind, because in their minds, they think they already know what the person is saying. So they're listening probably just to be polite. Yes. So especially with what we're talking about, the whole idea of, of, of making sure that people are, are, are engendering the spirit of compassion. Right. Or can somebody who's listening say, okay, let me make an effort to actually make sure that it's an active process. 
before we go on to the other yeah i think as human beings we don't like to see other people suffer so we want Mm. to offer we want to offer so instead of thinking about what are you going to recommend like suspend that what what you think is good for them and just be with them because more times than not people will render their own conclusion of the activity they have to take and you just true. being along for that listening ride and, and validating what they what they think that's the best thing you can do because then they've rendered that conclusion themselves and you're not asserting what you think mm-hmm. they should do okay you know okay. and along along those lines too don't feel like you got to fix it i think a lot of us feel like well, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not even mm-hmm. going to engage with them. I'm not even going to talk to them. Somebody else will. Well, the reality is, don't make that assumption. They may have nobody checking on them. True. You know, so take that burden off your shoulders. You don't have to fix it. Just be generous with your listening and compassionate with your heart. Hmm. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Which is a nice segue into trust. The next yeah. one, which is trust. Yes. I say this all the time. You know, I just recently did an interview with a, a former CEO of Campbell Soup, 71 year old man, rich, rich career. And he struck my attention many years ago when he spoke about trust. Trust is something that you have to be cultivating every single day as people leaders or people who have responsibility of people that they lead. You want there to be a a level of trust where your staff can come to you and say, I need a mental health day, or I need to step away. I need to regroup and, and not have any concern with, with owning that. So trust is important, but trust is also a two-way street. So I tell my people leaders all the time, you got to model good mental health hygiene. You got to talk about how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe not like airing your dirty laundry, but like acknowledge, like I didn't get I didn't get a workout in, so I'm not really feeling good or I'm dealing with stuff at home, you know, mm-hmm. be human. Like people just want other people to, you know, be human and yes. not put, uh, put each other on pedestals because it's unrealistic. I love that. I love that. I love that. Open conversations. Yeah. So if you have a narrative in your organization that it's okay to talk about brain health, that it's okay to talk about, you know, these kinds of challenges, especially because so many of us were affected through COVID, mm-hmm. you know, that's what open conversation is. It doesn't mean that you're turning your workplace into a therapy session. What it means is you're normalizing the narrative. So open conversations and courageously going first and talking about yourself or hell, you don't even have to talk about yourself. Talk about a celebrity, talk about an athlete, talk mm-hmm. about an Olympian. Talk about what, you know, those guys coming out and talking about, I, you know, I'm stepping away because I'm dealing with some, you know, some issues. anxiety or depression. Like, let's celebrate them and use them as the example. You're opening the conversation, creating a safety in the workplace. So, so it's important because when we, when we have more conversation, it's less of a thing, something that we avoid. Mm. Mm-hmm. And as you actually dealt with both of them in one so you're gonna give us another one because you you said open conversations by going first so we're gonna count that as one so you're gonna have to give us another one so the other one that you mentioned earlier which you're gonna unpack for a bit is the whole idea that it's okay not to be okay yeah yeah you know i talk about this in my resilience workshops quite a bit because Mm -hmm. i noticed after covid 
we had emerged from COVID people diminishing how they were feeling. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm trying to see, where is it? Oh, COVID, here it is. I just, I just wrote this quote down. I just wrote this quote down because it's so good. COVID pain and loss is as individual as a fingerprint. Mm. So what happens, what happens in a worldwide pandemic is we all start comparing ourselves and our situation to one another. And, and by doing that, we're diminishing the experience of COVID on us individually. We, we had a very unique experience because we all have unique past traumas that have caused that pandemic to unfold very unique for, for us. So I noticed that people were diminishing, well, what do I have to compare? You know, so-and-so lost mm. three relatives or, you know, the spouse lost the job and the financial situation. So who am I to complain? Listen, mm. if it, if, if it impacted sure. your joy and your happiness and you, you can't quite pull yourself out, chances are good. You should probably, you know, do something for yourself and help yourself and not step over how you're doing. So when I say it's okay to not be okay, it's first and foremost, looking in the mirror and saying, am I who I know I can be? Am I feeling the way I know I can be? Or am I just, you know, stepping over that every day? A culture of compassion. You probably think that it is something that is elusive and cannot happen, but we're going to take a short break and get a word from our partners and then we'll continue the conversation. Mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, sisters and brothers, friends for life won't live in the past. All I want to do now is making it last. So the whole idea of a branding strategy sounded so exotic and so fancy to me. But after having several conversations with Neon, I now have a clearer understanding. I am sure of what my identity is, what it is that I want people to see Noreen Daily as. Thanks, Neon. Thanks, Splint. Visit them at wearesplint.com. Photography is an art, but more so, photography must come from the heart. Precious moments, priceless times, take a pic and know it will turn out fine. BMC, BMC Photography, Photography JA, JA. Beautiful, beautiful moments captured. Let's go. Langdo Language Institute was created to meet your language and communication needs. All of our packages were created just for you. We are passionate about language and dedicated to your success. We offer the CSEC English program, the Study Body program, the Get Ahead with English program, and the Business Communication program. Contact us at 767. 285-0938 or email us at langdolanguage at gmail.com because the real question is how can we help you? Mothers and fathers Husbands and wives Sisters and brothers Friends for life won't live in the past All I wanna do now Is 
making it last. Trust, listening, open conversations. Are you doing that? If not, we're going to unpack some more. Welcome back. How many persons, though, Michelle, will just stop and, and do that sort of introspection when they're just so busy just trying to just stay right. afloat, so to speak? You know, I, 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 am, I offer some very sobering statements in my resilience workshop, like what's really at stake if you ignore this? What's really at stake? We cannot have health without mental health. Like it's true. You, you can exercise all day long, but if you don't have your mental health, you don't have health. So what's really at stake. If you step over this and you ignore it, compounded stress kills compounded stress and ignoring our well-being can lead to catastrophic things. And I bet we all have people that love us are counting on us that we want to be around for. So I get a little bit in people's faces and say, you got to tend the garden of your mind. Mm. You want to be healthy. Like, I like that. Because what's at stake? You know, people losing their life to stress and anxiety. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So, and there's such little things people can do every day. And the first thing is the self-audit. How am I doing? How am I feeling? The self-reflection um, and, and really owning if you're not feeling 100%. A lot of what you, you just said, and, and to a large degree, it was somewhat geared towards in the workplace, because, of course, that is where you spend the bulk of your time, whether it's remotely or, you know, in person. Do you think all of what you just said can transcend to other spaces? And if so, absolutely, is there a particular, for example, would you say all of what you just said is quite applicable to churches, you know, oh, yeah. to, to family relationships right across the board. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, a large part of my practice is coaching individual educators, teachers. Okay. Okay. And so absolutely. These are some of the most selfless human beings, just like healthcare workers that will give and give and give until they're thoroughly depleted. Um, and say, if there's time, I'll take care of me. Listen, nobody's coming along and saying, I'm going to remove this stress from your plate so that you can go and take care of yourself. Nobody is doing that for you. If, if it's to be, it's legit up to me. Hmm. 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 That is, that, that is true. And I, I, I've been a person who's been pretty intense. And one of the things that I told myself recently, specifically coming out of my last vacation is that I'm literally going to slow down. I'm not going to wait until I'm forced to yeah. because I've had health scares before where it forced me to just sit and reevaluate. And I said, if I can slow down while I'm on vacation, why can't I do that on a regular basis? So I will still take my regular vacations, but I've made a deliberate attempt to slow down. Okay. One of the things that I've started to do is what I won't, want for myself i'm not gonna do that to my team members mm. so if it is and and i'm saying it because i want some of them to hold me accountable yeah. if it is that work starts x time yeah. work starts x time and work ends x time uh -huh. anything else can stay until another day yeah. but there's always going to be the next day always yeah so i am i am putting that 
out there for them to also make me accountable. So if they find that I'm calling them or messaging them outside of work hours about work-related matters, they need to call me out on it. Yeah, boundaries. Yeah, yeah. yeah boundaries. You, you have yeah. to have those boundaries. I love that you got present to the fact that you need to slow down. I think too many of us hang our hat on the vacation that's out there mm. or, or the spa day that we think is going to undo six months of compounded stress. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, I would, I love that you want to slow down. Mm-hmm. My formula is do something for you every morning before you start your day, fill your own bucket on the daily, you know? Well, I do that. Cause I, I, I made oh. it, I actually joined joined a gym recently and got a trainer. Good. And trust me, it has made a world of a difference because it's helping me mentally and just in so many other areas. So, and I'm finding out that I can then say to some of my team members, if you're not making the time to exercise, do something. You can do it every day. Find a way to do two, three days out of a week because one of the things that I noticed with with a former president of the university where I am, no matter how busy he was, he'd play his tennis, his lawn tennis, and he'd play his golf. I'm like, but he's the president. Yes. So what then? Yeah. Seriously, you make time for what matters. That's right. And if you matter, you'll make time for you before you go fixing and helping the world. Got that right. And then you, and then people that love you and people you serve get a better version of you. It I agree. Works. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. As we're wrapping the conversation up, though, you said there's so many other steps that you could share with us, but maybe one or two before yeah. before we before we end. Yes. So for you, so I, let's just use you as an example. You're okay. exercising, okay? Mm-hmm. Exercising is fantastic because it helps us with our stress. But did you know that the mind is wired? to protect you and not make you happy. So what happens Hmm. is our mind is always scanning and looking for what's wrong, broken, or what's upsetting. It's always looking for, for the negative in the world because it's trying to protect you, right? Fight or flight. So one of the ways that we can retrain our brain Mm -hmm. to look for the good is through a good gratitude practice. Because if we do every morning, if we reflect on three things, three abundances that we have in our life, it, we're going to start to train the mind throughout the day to start looking for the, the good things instead of only looking for what's bad, what's a threat. That. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that. I, I, I don't necessarily want you to, well, rank them. But I'm going to ask you the question and you tell me if, if whether it is you're going to include one you've mentioned before or there's another one you're going to mention. What is the one thing or the one step, one action people should take to cultivate a culture of compassion? I would say come from your heart and not your head. People, people are human beings before they're employees. Mm. Let's, let's get back to our humanness and learn how to connect with one another as the human beings we are. Mm. Love that. Excellent note to end on, Michelle. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome.
Thank you. This was Make It Last podcast, where it's all about helping us have better relationships, not just with ourselves, but other people. I'm Noreen Daly. Until next time. Mothers and fathers.